Welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thank you very much to both of them. Now, if you may miss the shows at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts and Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Today, though, I would like to introduce you to Jill Price, who is doing a PhD in cultural studies under the supervision of Matt Rogolsky. Welcome to Grad Chat, Jill. Thank you so much. Now, OK, so this is going to be a really interesting chat this week because Jill is what I would call a very crafty person yeah. uh, looking at what her website and, and uh, some of the work that she's been doing. So we're going to go straight into it, I think. So, and uh, so Jill's research topic is called recraftivism. I find that a very difficult word to say. Recraftiv- craftivism, unmaking one's way out of the anthrop- Anthropocene. So two big words there for me, which I had to learn how to say properly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Jill, can you give us just a bit of an overview of what your research is? Because it's not the typical research that we normally think about. Right. So this research, has evolved from my MFA research, right. which was entitled Land as Archive. Okay, I'm uh, sorry, for most people that's Master of Fine Arts. Yeah, Master of Fine Arts. So Land as Archive, a collection of seen and unseen shadows, that thesis work, it looked at the shadows connected to the global textile industry. Okay. Everything from labor issues to environmental contamination to economic chains of trade that, you know, exploit the land, exploit the people. Right. And ultimately how we are tied to that as a global trade partner, yeah, right? Very true. So that kind of led me to a really dark place as a maker. Ultimately, being able to see what these sort of global industries are doing to the land and the social geography as well, my making to me just became a problem. I'm like, I'm contributing right. to the environmental devastation oh, of okay. right. the earth that we need to sustain us. Right. And by by me being part of our capitalist chain of consumptionism. Yep. And I have to admit, I was a huge fashion whore, you know, person <laughs> at one point. Ultimately, I could sense that I was part of a chain of trauma right. and okay. just really questioning my role or how to my role, role as e- an artist, to, my role as an artist, my role as a consumer and how to somehow interrupt what was what I had become a part of. Right. So it, it's hard to stay there. Yeah. <laughs> the more people that know about this, you know, this, that's good that we know about it, but we have to find a way to move out of that. Right. Um, so, and I kind of went to another dark place before I got to where I am, but I'll talk about that later. So anyway, right now I'm actually looking at researching how unmaking can be a creative act. Okay. And so what do you mean by unmaking? So I am using methods of um, unweaving, detangling, uh, okay. deconstructing, dismantling, right. deseaming, taking apart things that are often charged with meaning mm-hmm. as well as 
as charged with nostalgia. And so sometimes we we don't look at an object's potential as a raw resource because we have nostalgic or it's meaning attached to it that we can't see beyond that. Right. So okay. I'm, I'm researching how taking things apart can actually lead to new ways of thinking about production. And is this, and is this more about yourself or is it in with within the art, say the artist community? Well, the or textile it, community. Right. The right now it's sort of a, what I refer to as like a very private, quiet individual protest. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but out there, fuck no. <laughs> but ultimately I am hoping that in me doing these exercises and then self reflexive analysis of the work, as well as having people engage with what I'm doing, that I'll be able to draw attention to the importance of human labor and the skills and knowledge associated with craft. Mm-hmm. The aim of the research is to examine the potential that lies within unmaking for future industries. So, right. you know, we have people being replaced every single day by yeah. AI, right? Yeah, like I, liter- I literally had, you know, somebody standing beside the ticket machine at Go Train today teaching people how to use the machine because they're going to be gone soon. So, right. and then the grocery right. stores and shoppers, like humans are, so what are we going to gonna, do? What are we going to do? Exactly. <laughs> so uh, there are, uh, there is a textile factory in Italy. They're kind of ahead of the game where they have professional sorters. So they oh. are actually collecting reclaimed textiles and they have professional sorters who use their hands right. to determine what the fabric is and they get sorted into color bins and by fabric. And so they're eliminating the dyeing process, which is very toxic right? through this sort of um, sorting. But the human hand is required, right? Which so is nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's creating a job for someone. Right, right. Hmm. So um, that was one of these things that sort of inspired me is right. how can we look at what's already existing yep. and take it apart so that can maybe become something different or new. So so then what is Anthropocene? Because I know you had that as mm-hmm. part of your title. What is that for people? So the Anthropocene is the, the epoch or era or age that we're living in right now and basically began sort of with the beginning of the Industrial Revolution where humans were now determining the physical uh, physical geography of the le- of the Earth's surface, of the right. Earth, of how it looks and how we move around it and as and we've also now determined the this geological era of the material content of the Earth's crust. So um, there will be a layer of plastic <laughs> yeah, and fabric true. and everything else. And mm-hmm. something that came out of my MFA research was because I was looking at the shadows of things and I was actually studying the environmental side of the that whole sort of theoretical research uh, around textiles and the, the you know the psychology and all that stuff. What I actually learned scientifically is that shadows work as an archive. Okay. So because things need light to decompose. Yes. So yes. just in the way that we are storing our waste becomes problematic for things breaking down. Right. So ultimately there yeah because of the way we actually manage our garbage there there will be much more within this layer of earth than we suspect because right. even the things that we've designed to break down aren't breaking, aren't breaking down. down. Right. So this is where this is when where your craft craftism comes mm-hmm. in. I don't know why I have such trouble with that word, mm-hmm. but I do. So so then when you're talking about craftivism, so it's I'm assuming it's making craft but discussing environmentalism. Yeah, craftivism can actually communicate on many different levels. Um so some of the examples you might be or everyone might be aware of was the pussy hat. Yeah. You know, the Women's March right, the day yes. after Trump right, right. <laughs> was inaugurated. That one. And, yeah, that big 
one, yeah. And and then the AIDS quilt, right? Okay, and uh, walk walk with our sisters project where women are beating moccasins to re- represent all the dis- women, indigenous disappearing women, right? Which is a uh, you know extremely powerful. And you know I don't, they might not even call this craftivism. <laughs> this is right. This is just activism. 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 And so what that is being crafting. But yeah, so the a woman with the moccasins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, all of these are a form of craft. You know, it, it is sort of an interesting that it's the majority of textiles or primarily textiles being used within craftivism. But I think part of that is the accessibility um, in okay. terms of cost. Uh, you know, even if you're working with secondhand materials, as well as they're they're tri- they're very transportable, right? So yes. we can all carry something <laughs> very light and move to where we need to move to to protest or to yeah uh, stand in solidarity with the textile. So, so is the is there a one example, I mean, I, you've said a couple of examples there, but is there, is there an example of reworking mm-hmm. a textile that you can take from the get-go? Because you mentioned it before about dyes. Of, dyes can be very expensive and harmful. Mm-hmm. So my first thought when I was reading some of your work is fabric that's been dyed, mm-hmm. say, in India for a particular mm-hmm. purpose. Mm-hmm. It's being crafted into, it could be a garment or mm-hmm. something like that. Then it gets shipped wherever around the globe. Then it gets used by someone. And then I'm assuming with all of this it's rather than it just being thrown away someone else is picking up to use it is that correct you would to hope. use it in a different way you, you would hope we're getting better at it like I, I believe it's um york university has just started a project with um a couple of industrial professional recycling oh, organizations right, right. um and and so they're really students are working with industry to right. s- to see all the different ways that we can reuse or reutilize our waste you know up until very recently, I know that 85% of all textile waste was being shipped to global south countries for them to deal with. Oh, that's a bit unfair. And that's actually hurt their own knowledge uh, of and skills of working with their traditional craft because they're getting all of this ready, ready-made ready Western culture clothing that right. they somehow have to, to deal with. And so, you know, I've heard of um, senior crafts people talking about how the young people are losing the skills and the knowledge because we're they're getting all of our junk and so there's this sort of right. overabundance of stuff that there's a, a hopelessness that emerges in you know why do I create when we've got all this stuff already here for us to yeah, yeah. let's let's all become part of a throwaway society exactly yeah yeah mm-hmm. so so then how do you use because you're doing your PhD mm-hmm. so I can see what you're trying to do in, in terms of generally as a person mm-hmm. but then how would you use craftivism as methodology in your research mm-hmm. I'm going to read you just a, a, a few there was a manifesto uh, created and you know I even have a problem with the manifesto because there's sort of a negative right. and, and also uh, aggressiveness to the word manifesto but um, I actually think it's a great uh, sort of guideline in terms of how to do craftivist work so one of the first one is be the tortoise and so it talks about sort of this slowing, slowing down. down which I guess and so this is from the craftivism manifesto but mine's called recraftivism so the whole yes. idea that you have to take something apart before you can make something new even slows things down further right right yes and then solidarity, not sympathy. And so, again, moving out of, we're moving out of sympathy and empathy where we're sort of stuck into solidarity where we're actually moving together, acting, acting together. Right, yeah. Find comfort in contemplation. And so as soon as we start to slow down and sit with things and it becomes meditative, there's room to actually think about what we're doing. You know, the, right. the for example, the, the pussy hat day, like, was extremely impressive how women came together. Yeah, very, very quickly. But there was 
They estimated 5.2 million women in the U.S. protested, and approximately seven million worldwide elsewhere. Right. So, tw- almost you can estimate the 12 million pink pussy hats exist out there. Right. And I haven't seen them since. Have you? No. So, yeah, so <laughs> I feel like maybe a little yes. more contemplation. Yes. So it had an effect on the day, but then what happens after? Yeah. Yeah. And so you know, as people who are finding themselves act, you know, being activists and in, in community. Uh, yes, we need to definitely fight for what we believe in, but there's other things. Right now, we're in an ecological crisis, and right. so it concerns me when. So, one these hand, we're trying happening. to do something good, but then we're creating another yeah mm-hmm. alongside of it yeah and so recraftivism for me would mm-hmm. be a very small tweak where all of the pink hats maybe came from an old pink sweatshirt or right. you know where we weren't all yes. knitting anew with new wool where we were right. uh, working with what exists already so it's just a, a very small twist but small again but it, it slows things down it would take you right they couldn't do it as quick as they did because you know yeah. they'd probably have to all go out and, yeah anyway it does slow things but then down the second part of that would be well with those 12 million that are out there what can we do with them next yes that's right i might do a call for all the pink toques yeah. and do something with them because i don't know how many people wear a pink toque in the winter not many right yeah so you know it's just about the, that slowing things down and for contemplating things a little bit further empathy and never point fingers uh, so that's one of the other man on things on the manifesto it gets really easy to blame but unfortunately we're all sort of part of the same system right you know i I've been colonized. I've been capitalized. Um, I'm part of a system and I've contributed to for many, many years. And so... And working your way out of it is not an easy thing yeah, to you do. You have a totally different mindset, don't you? Right. And Which is I why would, the slowing down is good. Right. Yes, especially as you get older. But I would even <laughs> argue that it, being able to do that comes from a place of privilege, right? Right. I would not have gotten here without my post secondary education. Right. You know, because I would be too busy trying to yeah. pay for the next meal. Right. So I always just keep that in mind, too, is right. that basically what, what am I going to live out for myself? And that's mm-hmm. one of the other things on the manifest is is don't preach just move your own self move into yourself. action and yeah if that brings other people along so be it yeah yeah right mm-hmm. embrace positivity yeah so make the change you wish to see which is a, that makes sense right yes. and then embrace positivity and this is a hard one it is hard <laughs> it's very hard you see all the negatives in the yeah. world that's yeah. why sometimes i don't like listening to the news right and i made a very conscious decision after my mfa that i was only going to share good news because right. there is actually quite a bit of good news. There is, if you can dig into, dig underneath yeah. to find it. Like there's a lot of really interesting things happen environmentally, and there's a lot of recraftivism going on. And so to me, it's like if I share that, people are more likely to grab onto a solution than they are a problem, right? Yes, that's true. Yeah, because it shows us the way. It gives us an idea of how to go about making the change yet yeah, we want to see. So. so how then do you translate all these things you're saying into your final dissertation? Because, I mean, like I said, the dissertation yeah. is, you, for most people, it's a thesis, it's a writing mm-hmm. paper, whereas, whereas in cultural studies, you're able to do things through film or maybe in your situation mm-hmm. through craft, but you still got to be able to explain right. what you're trying to get, which is to discuss recraftism and environmentalism and, and all mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah. So how are you going to do that? Well, I don't know exactly how I'm <laughs> going to do that, but it, yes, I am doing the cultural studies program and I am in the creation, research creation 
stream. stream. And so I am able to either create a major project and do a thesis paper, or I'm able to actually create what's called a portfolio. So that means I can do, you know, anywhere from five to six to a, a series of projects okay. that I, um, and that's how I did my MFA. It was almost like every work answered a different question within my thesis. Okay. And so you pose a question and here's the project that explains it, and then you pose another question. Yeah. And so it was a very sort of uh, iterative body of work that filled in a lot, filled in all the gaps mm-hmm. for me. And so, and because I am a maker, <laughs> I feel like that might might be what happens for me again right, is that I create right. a portfolio. But I also am looking at creating a positive, gu- a recraftivism guide where right. offering solutions in terms of how we can make different choices, not just in consumption, but the way we think about consumption. So right. recraftivism has also been very much about me recrafting the way I think. Right. And that would actually make a really good book for people to pick up too, of yes. to try and change their mindset. Yeah, but I'm already like, don't want to print it. Right, good point. Yes, good point. <laughs> Collect, forget <Right>? that. <laughs> See how easy it is just to flip uh, yeah. into the uh, Yeah, and, the the, and also the commodification, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, th- this information needs to be accessible for yeah. everyone. As right. soon as you commodify it, now it becomes inaccessible and, and it speaks back to the capitalism, which is the problem. So, again, there's all of these really horrible yeah. hypocrisies uh, and ironies that go in within this. So this you're trying to explain it but then how do you explain it in a way like you said is not getting and affecting the environment and Mm -hmm. making us produce more things that then gets put somewhere else right so is it through some sort of programming and things you can Mm -hmm. implement where people physically turn up and listen right so i have to see or view exactly so what there i already am planning towards a series of performative works i've recorded one performative work where i sat still for over three hours and unwove a wool and sweater. Oh yes, I saw you doing that. Yeah, so it was a damaged sweater, but there was so much goodwill there, right? Was that all part of your untangling yeah, work that you've done? Yeah, so this piece is called an undoing. Undoing. But unfortunately we can't undo anything we've done, right? So, right. yes, that's <laughs> Again, it's sort of ironic, but yeah, I sat still for three hours and did that. And so the next stage is now I need to untwist that wool that I unwove. Right. Or unknit, I guess, yeah. I don't know. And then I'm going to cart it out and then I'm going to try and chase a sheep <laughs> around a, a field and I had thought of this concept where I was going to take it right try and take, take it, it back, back to, to the earth and I know I can't right but um there's actually an amazing poem by Margaret Atwood that actually speaks of this and can you not recraft it into a sweater for those little lambs that need help yeah well this is the thing I could make uh, yeah after they're shaved I could <laughs> yeah. give them a, a coat keep them warm in the weather like this yeah yeah so I am going to sort of take this un- undoing right to the end to right. where where it can't be undone anymore right right yeah. and mm-hmm. so then I guess then it starts its new progression of being remade recrafted yeah mm-hmm. and I might actually learn how to properly knit to do that because I only I, I knit in the you're not vi- picking up those stitches as you're undoing <laughs> <laughs> no, so I might actually try and follow instructions, which right. really goes against everything I believe in. But I love it. I, love it. I feel like it, it, it. We're in a time where it's actually important to to sort of know these skills that were once self skills that allowed people to be self sustaining. Right, so. which is, I think is an important thing. Mm-hmm. I know you touched on this. You say this body of research is helping you work your way out of a dark space, and and some of the things you mentioned earlier was you're trying to be more positive, see mm-hmm, the positive mm-hmm. in things, which is fantastic. So, can you elaborate why this is important at this time for you? Because 
I'd like to think that you've got out of that dark place. Mm-hmm. But why was it important? I mean, first of all, you said you got into it, but you managed to get yourself out. So why is it important now? And how is that important in terms of what you're trying to do here? Well, I guess I think I just recognized that if I was there, a good proportion of people, you know, suicide rate is up. Depression's yeah. Pe- lots of people are su- what with Bell Talk right now. Right? Yes, it's coming on this week. Yes, yeah. this, this Wednesday. So I'm a pretty upbeat person. And so if I'm getting into these dark spots, and I can work myself out pretty easy, you know, but I would imagine a lot of other people are really struggling mm-hmm. with what's going, going on in the world. We might not know that we're part of these chains of trauma consciously, but it wouldn't surprise me if the majority of us do know that we're part of them. Yeah. And I'm actually presenting at a, a medical conference on the 9th here at Queen's to talk about what does no if we know that we're part of a chain of trauma what does that do that to our psyche right and how does the, our psyche then affect our body so because my part of my MFA thesis talked about how matter in sorry immaterial matter and 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 how that has agency as well right okay so yeah these are all the, these things I've been thinking about so basically to sit still and dwell in that is not going to help with change. Luckily, when I was doing my research, I had the benefits of finding some examples who were sort of taking up these very proactive methods to to make a difference and rejig the way we've been doing things. And so that was sort of my catalyst to say, if I can find more of these options or, you know, right. and, and share mm-hmm. them and embrace them for my own practice and just create more awareness, then maybe I'll be, be okay. yeah. get out of it. Yeah. So what are some of the things you'd like to see happen as a result of your your research um you know is Mm -hmm. there is there some sort of scenario for this type of work i mean obviously you're going to do things a little differently but what do you want to see come out of it so i guess there's well there's lots of things i'd i'd like i think i'd like the world to just slow down period i think we all would yeah (laughs) um and there's a lot of self-worth that comes with actually being able to create something and create Mm -hmm. something well i basically would like to continue to raise consciousness around what these sort of fast fast fashion and these global economies are are creating out there other than goods so to continue to raise consciousness about that and hopefully refocus to bringing a new sense of value to human labor human work human knowledge human skill and then um, local economies like yes it costs more to buy something that's handmade and locally sourced and organically grown but it costs more for a reason if a shirt costs six dollars you know someone has suffered in making of that shirt. Yeah, yeah. So and it's likely not going to last either. And it's not going to last, and we're not going to value it. You mm-hmm. spend, you know, you spend over a hundred dollars on a gorgeous sweater. You're going to look after it. Yes. You're going to care for it. You're going to mend it because you know. And right. the, who is the the woman who's on Netflix right now? And she's all about holding something, and if you love it, keep it, and if you don't, throw it away. There's oh, don't know that one. And there's a yeah. it's about cleansing out your house, and right. it's it's a reality show, and where she's basically helping people clean out their house of things that they don't love and. But yeah. so, and I get that. But then there's the thing is that stuff that they're throwing away. Right. What's happening with that? That's where recraftivism That's comes where in. Recraftivism. <laughs> so I think it's it all shows, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. So, I and mean, again, there's it's not just throwing away. Yeah. Where are we throwing it? Exactly. If we can recycle, have bins for recycling yeah. of bottles and glass and cans and things. But it needs to extend, right? It does. It needs yep. to extend further to here is all this these materials, textiles, etc. Right. That, that are getting just 
dumped. Right. And even though theoretically they should break down quicker, they're still, as you said, if there's dyes in it, that's a chemical. Yeah, yeah. So it takes uh, 50 years for um, chemically, chemically tanned leather to break down, and that's if it has light. 50 years for leather. Right. Right, which everyone would think, well, that's a natural product, so what's the issue? No, the... But mm. it's the things that have been added to mm-hmm. that natural product. Yeah. And so, yeah, so even cotton, the pest, apparently pesticides continue to reside in the small mm-hmm. material fibers of cotton. And uh, this has been proven to create toxicity in, in infants' bodies and... Right. Yeah, skin's cancer and everything else. So um, we don't... It's always sort of after the fact where we realize what these these things are doing to us yeah because I know for me I'm, I'm all for recycling where possible yeah and I can be a bit of a hoarder I yeah I totally admit that because I love my stuff mm-hmm. but I would rather pay a bit more mm-hmm. like you said for quality yeah and it annoys me the fact that the quality particularly in fruit and vegetables and stuff like say the raw materials like that cost us so much more than the highly processed because mm-hmm. clearly the raw stuff is better for us. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. However, that's the way it is. And there's particularly with organic farming, it takes longer and the mm-hmm. labor and things. So I th- I'm all for that. But I think if you can express some of what you're trying to do, both on an environmentalist point of view and product point of view and a labor point of view, I think that's fantastic. Because people with, well, they think about the environment more for recycling. Mm-hmm. They don't think about the rest of it. No, there's some environmental designers who say we only ever see 5% of the material used in the production of an object. So right. we don't see all the water used in processing or the oil and gas right. used for the fuel or, or transport of what, or the electric. We, so we only ever see 5% right. of what's produced. And so, yeah, we're just very unaware, not only unaware of the amount of material that goes into producing something, I think it was something like 1,700, maybe even 2,700 liters of water per white T-shirt. Okay, so... Uh. <laughs> So, cause that's a lot. Because between the growing of cotton and yeah. and the sorting and carting and washing and like it's just it's bleaching and whatever else. It's, it's just, amazing, isn't it's it? It's nuts. So yeah, it is nuts. we just have no idea how many materials we used in production of things. And then the other thing that we don't see, and even some of the businesses don't see, what's when you remember the factory crashed in 2014, I mm-hmm. believe, in Bangladesh, yes. or just outside Bangladesh. Yes. Yeah. So what was happening there? is that they were hiring companies in China to produce their clothing. And I guess these countries are then outsourcing. And so these businesses who we want to be more accountable have no control over of what's, happening. <laughs> what's even happening overseas. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, th- there's there's some real legislation that's missing, I, I feel, in terms of global production because, yeah. So one of the things I was thinking of when you were talking about recraftism, mm-hmm. so you're unmaking things, mm-hmm. which is great, and then you're reusing them again. So for some of those textiles, such as the the balls of wool that you're mm-hmm. unraveling from someone's cardi, mm-hmm. cardigan, sorry, mm-hmm. would you see like down the track potentially from the re- recraftism type of stuff, not necessarily a piece of art like mm-hmm. what you've been doing, but then those products are then going to places, whether it's shelters or whatever, to remake something else that the 
another group of people can use. For sure, yeah. So it's still a commodity whether we're wearing it or yeah. using it in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the reasons why I also want to actually learn how to properly knit something right. that I could wear <laughs> so or that's functional. So you just unravel it, you can use it again. Yeah, I really like the idea that I spend sort of a year unraveling something and I spend a year trying to make <laughs> it something and people would recognize. But yeah, no, I think that even if to create an interesting door, you know, out right. of all of these things I've taken think- apart where people come come in and, and are now shopping for raw material, but it actually came from something that was a product at one point. Well, you see all these fun. programs of people have used old things mm-hmm. and made them into something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's the, a form of recraftism mm-hmm. too, right? And people are now making money after mm-hmm. out of what mm-hmm. was perceived junk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As you always say, there was always a, someone's trash is someone else's treasure. That's right. So I think you mentioned this, that you've already em- embraced your, new, your findings because mm-hmm. you've already seen that you, you've changed what you were thinking thinking before and now you can see through some of the stuff you're doing yourself mm-hmm. of uh, what you can be doing personally mm-hmm. I think everything you've said has yeah. actually said that which is great I don't know if people realize but Jill does have her own little studio jillpricestudios.ca if anyone wants to look it up and I, I found it actually fascinating because one of the first lines it says you are a Canadian contemporary artist researching new materialism through textiles and drawing and it's so true if you have an opportunity to go and look at that website it's so true with the different things that you've been working on so I found I found that fascinating mm. the materials that you use for different ways of explaining some thing mm-hmm. so I'm assuming you're going to continue with that yes right now I'm just videotaping me unmaking <laughs> one thing in, that's in, really interesting that came out of me unwinding that sweater was that um, the sound it produced people have actually identified as ASMR oh, what's that? which is referred to as brain massage and oh. so it's literally sort of a comforting sound for people so it's interesting these sort of very repetitive noises become a form of meditation for some people which makes uh, sense because a lot of times mm-hmm. we think put on some music with water in the background because that's calming and things like this but this is actually through unraveling and let's uh, how can we unravel this to use potentially later yeah okay well we're gonna have to call it quits really appreciate you coming on onto the show so thank you for that it's been great thank you well good luck with it all and if you have a chance to go and see any of jill's exhibits please do go and see it it's fantastic so that's it for another week of grad chat don't forget you can download the show tomorrow just type in a grad chat until next week this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. This podcast is produced in collaboration with CFRC.ca in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Infrastructure support for the CFRC podcast project is provided by the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. For more information, or to get involved in podcasting, visit podcasts.cfrc.ca.